I remember in that moment, like, you know, when I needed comfort the most, the one thing running through my head was like, you have to fight to create beauty out of this in any way that you can, because maybe your healing lies in your ability to alchemize trauma into something beautiful. And so at that moment, I was like, my writing is beautiful. Like, this is the beauty that I can hang on to in this moment. And this is giving me the power and the agency of creation. And Welcome back to the You Need a Counselor podcast. This is a show presented by Heart and Solutions Counseling Agency. We release new episodes every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central and encourage you to batch up that laundry, put away the dishes, plan for the week ahead, or do any other task that might seem daunting while you give our show a listen. You might just be encouraged to call your therapist, connect with this week's guest, or seek out those services you've been considering for a while but haven't made the commitment to yet. If you are in the state of Iowa and are in need of mental or behavioral health counseling, give us a call at 1-800-531-4236. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the You Need a Counselor podcast. My name is Dr. Julie Johnson. I am the president and founder here at Heart and Solutions. We are joining you today from the Heart and Solutions Grundy Center office. Uh, and for the first time yeah. ever, we are together. So we've done 140 episodes never over Zoom. Probably live like half an hour. <laughs> and we've never been in the same room no. at the same time doing an episode, which is so funny. So lucky 141, uh, we are in the same room together. And I'm Cressa. I am one of our vice presidents in charge of the behavioral health department here at Heart and Solutions. And this is our podcast, You Need a Counselor. So we are a podcast designed for people curious about counseling, but have barriers keeping them from experiencing the benefits of counseling. Our mission is to share stories about counseling, good, bad, and indifferent, and spread the message that everyone can benefit from mental health and behavioral health counseling services. So today we have Nicole left with us today from joining us from California, um, where I am extremely jealous of the weather and extremely jealous of the ocean. Um, so you will remember uh, that Nicole joined us uh, on a previous episode where we talked about her project, My Affirmation Project. And if you went on after listening to that episode and signed up for postcards, every two months you have gotten a postcard in the mail. Uh, and for, for Krista and I, having met Nicole over Zoom and being able to get to know her on this show, uh, it feels like getting a postcard from a friend every time. Uh, and so even if you haven't gotten a chance to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Nicole, that is how it feels to get these postcards in the mail. Um, my daughter is seven and she's always so excited to get mail. And I think as an adult, uh, we lose that a little bit because when we get the it's mail, bills. it's like there's bills in there <laughs> and, and the excitement of it kind of wears off. So I think that uh, being able to have those those positive affirmations in our mailbox, having the beautiful art come into our mailbox uh, has just been so fun for us personally. So uh, we'll talk about my affirmation project and more about that. But on the last episode, we really didn't get to talk about Nicole's personal story and her personal journey with counseling. And so we're very, very excited to welcome her back so that we can discuss uh, what she's learned uh, about herself through certain experiences and what she's learned about counseling and coping and how to how she uses art to make this world a better place. So welcome, Nicole. Thank you for being here. 
Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for the introduction. That was amazing. <laughs> we are so happy to see you again. And I, like I said, we've been getting these postcards and it just feels like that feeling, it takes me always back to like, uh, when I would go to summer camp and then I'd get like a pen pal, you know, from summer camp because they'd live somewhere else. And then I get the mail and I'd be like, I have and I'd be so excited and then I'd write them you know back these letters so uh it just kind of takes you back to that and in a world where your mailbox is full of bills uh what a bright light that you are sharing with so many people so tell us about my affirmation project get us kind of caught up on what you've been doing yeah, so my affirmation project, as we discussed last time, uh, was a project that unofficially started when I was 17 and officially started in 2019 when I started putting up large scale, anonymous, compassionate billboards around the world. Um, and in the past year, I have just been growing and expanding my art practice. I consider it my art practice as an artist. And I have started kind of moving from the billboard space. I still love utilizing large scale billboards and large scale uh, ways of sharing messaging. But one of the more recent projects I did on Valentine's Day of last year was I created 100 um, affirmation mirrors that said compassionate statements and I put them all over Los Angeles. They were like body sized mirrors and it was a very beautiful experience to like implant them around the, the city on Valentine's day. Um, I have also been uh, collaborating with my husband who's a professional quilter. I know it's a thing <laughs> um, and we've been making affirmation quilts, one of which you can see behind me. They're like these beautiful, huge handmade quilts that I then will write an affirmation and like meticulously hand painted on. And we leave them uh, anonymously for free in public spaces around the country with a sign that says, if you find this, you can keep it. It was made with love for you. Um, we started it in 2020 and we've dropped, I think over 30 around the country. And like specifically this year, we've been doing a lot um, more of these quilt drops. Um, and then just smaller iterations. I've been leaving bouquets places. I've been doing free flower shops. I have been continuing the postcard project and just trying to get creative about how to integrate compassion into our world in free and anonymous ways. That's amazing. I did not realize that was a quilt behind you. <laughs> that's yeah. So good. Uh, yeah, it looks like a tapest tapestry thing. Um, so where do you get the ideas for what you put on those quilts or the mirrors or the postcards that you send out? I have a journal and every time that I feel inspired, I will just like constantly be writing ideas. But honestly, like it all comes from a place of like, I am writing the things that I desperately wish somebody was saying to me. And that's always been kind of the way that I come up with the writing for this project. Like since 17 years old, I just like my self-soothing is sitting with an open journal and writing the things that I wish that I had someone saying to me um, that would provide hope or strength during whatever I'm going through. So that is where those words come from. And that's where they've always come from. Wow. I mean, how powerful to do the mirrors. And, mm -hmm. and when you said a hundred mirrors, I wasn't picturing body length mirrors because I don't picture enjoying body length mirrors. <laughs> and so I was picturing like little, you know, hand mirrors. And the fact that you, 
uh, are incorporating these affirmation statements into body length, full mm -hmm. length mirrors is huge because how many people, how many of us walk around hating those, avoiding those, yeah. right? And really it's not the mirrors, it's ourselves that we're avoiding. And so marrying <laughs> the... <laughs> marrying the affirmation of the the mirror and the affirmation together uh is huge so powerful uh and then those affirmation quilts how beautiful um and so i what i love about what you do the billboards the 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 quilts that you leave around or not leave around but that you put places for people to find um the postcards is that there's a sense of anonymity about them and so sometimes when we get a gift or we get an uh, affirmation from somebody else our brains kind of automatically go to that negative place right of sometimes we think well they said that because they have to right my my sister says that because she's my sister of course she thinks I'm great right or um my or of course she thinks I'm terrible I don't know but uh, so you know but we think these things or we'll say like oh that person doesn't even really know me right or oh that person doesn't even and so we kind of block those affirmations from coming into us and being able to accept them whereas if I find a quilt that says this was made for you and I can accept that quilt, then it's e so much easier for me to accept without built, putting up those barriers, the message of mm -hmm. that quilt that uh, that I make sense, that I am worthy, right? All of these pieces are, are uh, taking away so many of those barriers that I think naturally happen with affirmations. Yeah, I totally agree. Like that's something I think about all the time is like, I, my anonymity uh, when I create this work is so important because like we live in a world that like I think there's just so many examples of conditional love in which you receive love but then you feel as if you have to owe something or like the context of who gave it to you like there's just like this weird back and forth and like I really, really, really want to create access to unconditional love. And like the only way I know how to do that is anonymity, no strings attached. Like this is for you and you can engage with it however you want. Like you can throw it away if you want to, but I made it with love for you. <laughs> and so you mentioned um, the mirrors were all around Los Angeles. Did you say the quilts are all over the country or where do people find those? They're just kind of random <laughs> places everywhere. Yes. Yeah, so we put them all over the country. Like I said, we started in 2020, um, which was just a year that we were taking lots of road trips to get to places since flying was kind of like spotty. So we were just like bringing quilts with us wherever we went. And now that's very much how it happens. If we are traveling somewhere, we make two or three affirmation quilts and bring them with. Like we were just in New Mexico last week and I made two to implants over in New Mexico and wherever that I found that felt like a good environment. So they are all, all over the country, big cities, small cities, uh, remote na natural areas, you know, city streets all over. That is wonderful, wonderful, wow. wonderful work. So Thanks. I, I, so the affirmation project, we just love it. We're huge fans yeah. of, of the project and you and your dog. And <laughs> We are, we are just huge fans. And so 
you know, when you talk about unconditional love, unconditional support, um, it really, it speaks healing and it speaks uh, just uh, your, your actions and your words just all speak healing and, and growth and love. Uh, and so we, we really want to hear, how did you get to be this kind of person <laughs> that, that makes these beautiful quilts and makes them and then gives them out for free? Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about your story? We want to learn about you. Absolutely. Um, so I was born and raised in Iowa in the Midwest. And growing up, I had a very strong connection with my dad. He was like definitely, uh, you know, the the artistic, creative, extremely uh, intense, like loving person that like influenced me on so many regards. Um, once I got to a certain age, it became apparent that he was struggling with addiction. And that became like a very big part of my childhood was um being and standing with him through this addiction. I was very involved in the whole thing. I started going to like weekly uh, AA meetings at the age of uh, 10. And so I was just like always very enmeshed in these communities of healing and openness and connection. Like I honestly feel like I kind of like grew up in the circle of an AA meeting and just like deeply was taught to be open and internalize and deeply hear everybody's story. And so honestly, I feel like that gave me a very real picture of what the human condition and what human healing looks like and how to be open and have empathy for everyone. Um, unfortunately, when I was 17, my dad ended up taking his own life and that was extremely hard. Um, at the point that he, you know, completed the act of suicide, he had already attempted 16 times. This was like a very long and strung out thing to grow up, you know, with. And it was it was a very challenging thing. But I always also think that it was, you know, one of the most uh, it, it was the most important moment of my life. And and like in a way that it shaped me, it made me into an adult. It made me like just very, very strong. Um, and that also led me to finding therapy. I, I had started therapy when I was, I think in the fourth grade, once his ad addiction started getting, um, you know, more prevalent. And I was just like, you know, even though it was a tumultuous childhood, I was given opportunities to learn how to heal and to talk about things and how to experience creative resilience. And I, everything in my art practice now is directly tied to that. And so, yes, when you ask about like where I got my start and, you know, how I'm able to do this work and what the intention is, it, it, it's all stemming from that space of understanding and survival. Is that how you got into journaling? Was it something your therapist recommended? Had you always been journaling? So yes, the moment that I got into journaling, um, I all, always was a creative girl. I was always writing a lot, really enjoyed just like, you know, writing, recording my emotions, recording things. Um, but I remember the night that we lost him, I didn't know what to do with myself. So I went home laid in my childhood bedroom. And the only thing I could think to do was open that journal and start writing things that resembled affirmations, essentially just self-soothing myself, writing down the things that I wish I had somebody telling me. 
Um, and like no less than a week later, I was venturing out into the world to put those spray paint those up on buildings and, you know, start sharing those externally. So the journaling did come naturally from a therapist, but it also then became like, it became my actual healing process, like at the moment that everything kind of happened, if that makes sense. To go through the rooms of AA and to kind of grow up in that experience. Uh, I mean, it, it sounds like you were able to really uh, take a lot of those tools with you and, and utilize a lot of those tools and then to lose your father. And in this way, and especially when somebody completes a suicide after so many attempts, every attempt feels like a loss of that person. Uh, and, and then the next one feels that way. And the next one feels that way. And so, uh, it, it can just build to that point. And then there's so much complex feelings that occur, um, after the, the suicide is completed and, and what a, what a large loss, especially for you, because you had such a connection with your father and because your, your creativity, and your creative resilience and your ability to uh, be open to other people and use your your creativity and your uh, artistic abilities, it sounds like really uh, we're closely, closely tied with your father who had similar uh, talents and, and ways of being in the world. Uh, and so um, such a loss that now we can see how that has turned into this beautiful, beautiful work that you are doing. Uh, so the journaling being one way that you, I, we always kind of, uh, you know, and, and especially, you know, in, in, in AA, uh, it's where do we go when we need comfort? Where do we go for comfort? And, uh, and sometimes that is, to uh, substances or chemical chemicals that change how we feel when we need comfort. And for you, it sounds like, where do you go for comfort? You know that a hundred percent because that was the moment you needed comfort the very most. And you know exactly where you go. You go straight to your journal. Absolutely. And like, I remember in that moment, like, you know, when I needed comfort the most, the one thing running through my head was like, you have to fight to create beauty out of this in any way that you can, because maybe your healing lies in your ability to alchemize trauma into something beautiful. And so at that moment, I was like, my writing is beautiful. Like, this is the beauty that I can hang on to in this moment. And this is giving me the power and the agency of creation. And absolutely, that that was where my head went. Um, yeah. Even your spray paintings. I mean, I, I think we said on the last one, we're not advocating to spray paint in places that you're not supposed to. But at the same time, even the the expression that you're pouring out in those spray paintings uh, is beautiful. There's beauty in that. And, uh, and you were able to utilize all of the experience that you had in those feelings to create all of this wonderful work. And so were you, uh, had you been seeing a counselor prior to the loss of your father, or was this something that you did after? Yeah. So I saw the, a counselor prior. Um, I think my first, uh, or my, like 
the first suicide attempt was, I think, happened in like second or fourth grade. And so that was when my parents put me into or got me a therapist, essentially. Um, And like from that point on, like I can't even remember if it was second or fourth grade, like I had a regular therapist was seeing her weekly and it almost was like this beautiful thing where at the point in which, you know, like I lost him, like so many years later, I had all these years of therapy under my belt. And it, it just felt like this kind of like poetic thing that I had already learned how to care for myself and survive. And my therapist absolutely (laughs) was a huge reason why. So now are you actively still in therapy? Are you done seeing your therapist or what's that like now in your world so I've had a few different therapists um as I've moved to different locations I don't still have my childhood therapist um but I think I'm on like my fourth now and I've had this current therapist for I mean probably like six or seven years and she's she's amazing and so yes I am still currently seeing her much less frequently though um I find as you go on your journey sometimes you need therapy less often but it's still so nice to have somebody to land with even if it's every other month every month you know so yes I still have someone I see her less frequently but it is just such an amazing moment to just take a deep breath and reground Absolutely. And and when we lose a close family member, one of the complications of that is that the other family members in our normal support circle that we would typically come to are also experiencing that loss at the same time that we are. And so it sounds like you had that therapeutic relationship with your therapist built at that time. And that was a person who was not experiencing the same loss that you were. So you were able to uh, process with them. Absolutely. Yeah. It it helped me. Yeah. It just, it was so grounding to have somebody like that, who from the outside was able to offer support to me, especially as a young person. Um, Do you have any advice for somebody who maybe has a sudden loss of a family member as well, who is looking to get into writing or what might their next steps be to kind of help process that grief? Um, I would say my, my, I mean, my advice always is coming from a place of my experience. And the thing that helped me was to, you know, fight like hell to create something beautiful. But I recognize that beauty could look different and does look different for everyone. So if that person is able, I would encourage them to ask themselves how they can create beauty if even the tiniest bit and I mean beauty could just be leaning into a relationship with a friend it doesn't need to be some type of crazy output or creation into the world or it could just be you know um (laughs) embedding yourself in a new hobby or you know allowing yourself permission to um experience something I I would just like encourage them to identify a small bit of beauty that they could lean into to help them heal and help them balance out that trauma and that grief. What you're creating is so uh, public facing. There's so much uh, that you're doing for for the community and for the public. Uh, and I, I love that your your focus though isn't on 
okay, I got to put this out there. The focus is I got to create something, mm-hmm. anything that is beautiful and feels meaningful to us. Um, and so I, I love these other examples that might not look as uh, I think as a society, sometimes we get so focused on production, right, <laughs> on creation in terms of product and in terms of, okay, well, I did this many affirmation quotes this year, right? Now, next year, I got to do this many. And, and uh, you know, we get kind of hung up on the production part and don't always focus as much on the creation part and what it does for the creator. So uh, an affirmation quilt Absolutely. Somebody's going to find that they're going to have an experience with that. They're going to, other people are going to read it. Even if they don't take the quilt with them, uh, somebody might use that quilt as a quilt, right? So the person who receives it is going to have an experience. I'm having an experience about those quilts. I haven't seen, I've seen the one hanging up, right? But I'm having an experience about those quilts and the fact that you put them out there for people. And so other people are going to have that experience. But what we sometimes don't consider as much is the experience that you had as the creator and that your partner has as the creator creating these quilts. Um, and I think sometimes that is the most important aspect of uh, artistic or creative resilience is what you called it. Tell me more about creative resilience, because I have not heard this term and I kind of love it. I had never heard the term either, but I remember once journaling about trying, I was trying to identify the thing that really helped me um, survive and heal. And I, the word creative resilience came into my brain and I was like, oh, I'm going to run with that. I love that. Um, and it, I think it's just what I'm talking about. It's the act of fighting to create beauty in the place of hardship because the creation of beauty is creation and creation is always healing because it's bringing something new it's new life it's rebirth in the face of something that may have died and to me creative resilience is that it's resilient it's finding resilience through a process of creation yeah I love that what other public ideas do you have coming for your affirmation project oh such a good question um my goal for like a years now has been to get a billboard in Times Square and like I feel like this year I feel like I am close I feel like I have figured out how to do it and how to afford it and not like you know have to spend all this money so I'm like I want there to be affirmation billboards in Times Square um, I am very interested right now in doing um, more guerrilla style public art. Los Angeles is a great place for it. So I'm in the process of creating these affirmation paintings that I'm then going to print out huge posters of and paste up around the city. I'm interested in doing um, these very, very, very large scale affirmation tapestries that are a little different than the quilts and hanging them, you know, across city streets. Um, I also am thinking about doing like a huge interactive project where I make like 5,000 bouquets and rent a truck and drive around and like give everyone I see bouquets and my brain is reeling. I have a lot of ideas. Those are the things that are on my my docket for the next like months to maybe year though. 
Wow. Uh, I love it. I love the excitement that you have for the projects. You know, when you talk about the ones that you've done, the ones that you're doing, the ones that are coming up, like you just light up when you talk about it. And it's so fun to see. It's so exciting um, because it it's so clear what the, what this creative process is doing for you and how it's impacting your uh your experience with all of these things um and as you say stuff like that my brain goes to like nicole needs a television show right like nicole needs a youtube channel nicole we'd watch right she needs a book i would read that book (laughs) so there's my brain goes to all of those things and and then i kind of catch myself and i go wait wait a minute Yes, she does, because I would totally <laughs> tune in for all of that. But at the same time, I, I think that, again, that's kind of that tendency, right, of of maybe just myself, but I think of, uh, of a lot of us in society to create product, create product, create product out of things. Um, and what you're doing is so pure that uh, that even when you said creative resilience and that you had thought of it, I was like, she needs to trademark that. <laughs> Um, but that would not be what you're about you know that would not be about uh what you're doing and and what your your mission is um do you experience that in your work where there's kind of that pressure to to create product how how does that feel for you in your work that is such a good question because it is so like omnipresent recently for me you know like the I, I, um, right before I started this work in an official way. So like 2018, I, I ended, I, I used to own this chain of stores across the country and I was a very business girl, corporate girl. And I ended it cause it didn't make me happy. And I made this promise to myself, I will never again, um, do anything for the purpose of, um, creating a product or marketing myself. And like, I just like wanted to be as far away as that as possible. And so like for the first few years of this project, I was, I wasn't even on Instagram. I had no internet presence. It was all anonymous. Like I was just operating in this like very like sleuthy way. And I love, I loved it. But then all of a sudden, like it has been popping into my brain, like if I can find a balance, if like what I do can remain pure and maybe I can make it more accessible for people to find it on the internet or through a product, I'm not interested in making products. Like I don't ever want to be a company or someone slinging affirmation t-shirts. That's not at all what I'm interested in. But recently, like I've been having all these conversations with my husband and fellow like artist colleagues, like how can I create like a little more integration that this can be consumed in a public way? Um, And so that has led to me like doing small things. Like I'm back on Instagram uh, myself, which (laughs) like talking about the project, which feels like a tiny little step forward. But like when you said like book or show or something like that actually does sound fun to me. I just like want to find the balance. I never want to jeopardize the integrity of the work or what I believe, which is I never want compassion to be commodified and sold. So like, I feel like I'm rambling now, but I've thought about this a lot and I'm like constantly trying to figure out how I can, you know, how I can work with this pressure that is upon, upon me. 
Um, for those that are listening who are kind of interested in doing some small like public affirmation ideas, what um, suggestions do you have for them to get started with that? Okay, I have a good suggestion. Um, people ask me this a lot. And I say, just think if just put yourself out into the world and think about what you would want to find, like what you would want to be impacted by. If it's a quilt, then make a quilt and put it out into the world. If it's a free bouquet or um, a nice postcard somewhere or a sticker, put that out. Like if you can identify the way in which you would be impacted in a positive way, do the thing that feels true to you. Um, and it could look completely different than some of the projects that I've done, but identify what, what would impact you. And chances are that probably is the thing that will impact others. And so having gone through counseling from a young age uh, and continuing that counseling relationship and then continuing with a new counseling relationship and a new one, uh, it sounds like you have just uh, continued to grow as a person and grow in your, um, in your ability to be there for yourself so that you can be there for other people. Um, it, and it, as you're telling your, your story about your career change, um, that is huge. I mean, that, that you had that and, uh, and made that decision is huge. Um, and so I think that that is, uh, just a testament to you and a testament to your, willingness to continue that work. And even if it is, even if it's every other month, they check in with my counselor so that when something happens that I need that support, that I've got that person there and I'm not starting off with a stranger because nobody wants to do that. Um, and so you've got that relationship there. Uh, and, and what a great uh, example that you're setting for others in that as well. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's beauty just in that, you know, there, and, <clears throat> and uh, as you talk about, you know, if somebody's listening and going, I, I want to use my creativity a little bit to help myself heal from things or to help myself cope with things uh, that are painful things. I want to use that creativity for that. Uh, and, and you being able to say, I'm, I'm doing this on this larger scale you can do this too on any scale that feels right for you uh, is so empowering and so helpful for people to hear because they, it's a message we don't hear enough. Mm -hmm. We don't hear that enough that it's enough that whatever we do for ourselves in terms of creativity, whatever we do, uh, whether we put it out there to others or not is enough and is beneficial if it's beneficial to us, there, there's, <laughs> there's value in that. There's so much value in that. And in some situations, it's everything. Uh, so I, I just love the example that you're, you're setting for others. It is so beautiful. Thank you so much for saying that and seeing that. I really appreciate that kindness. Mm -hmm. I love the work you're doing. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so if you could give maybe one suggestion to somebody who's on the fence about starting counseling, what suggestion might you give that person? Uh, I would just suggest, um, or I would recommend to just have an open mind and just to be open 
and to lead with love and trust and try it. Um, and, and just really, you know, look inward after you try it with how it makes you feel. Um, and, you know, I think there's sometimes still stigma around talking to a therapist or making that first step. But if you can be open and be an advocate for your own well-being and healing, sometimes it takes like getting uncomfortable um, and try it. And and then you and then decide from a place of knowing what it's like, you know, like instead of deciding from a place of not knowing, decide from a place of knowing and having had experienced. And then whatever you decide, it's okay. But at least decide from a place of knowing. And when you originally started counseling, it wasn't really your decision. <laughs> How did that go for you? Because for a lot of people, it's not our decision. And sometimes that's like, the best thing that could have happened to us. And sometimes it can be a barrier to continuing counseling as an adult. Uh, how, how did you cope with that or experience that? I remember, I remember feeling like embarrassed and scared. And I don't think I ever thought it was like stupid, but I like, I was also a young child. So I was just like, what? Like, I don't want to do this. I'm embarrassed. Like, is something wrong with me? Um, so yeah, there, there was a lot of resistance. Uh, and then I remember after my very first session, I was like, oh, therapy is sitting with a warm, welcoming person and getting to share your human experience. So you don't have to carry it by yourself. This is really, really nice. And this is actually what I need. And so like that resistance faded away after my first experience with my therapist. Well, I love that. Uh, and as we're a child and we have a therapist, especially having that long-term relationship, mm -hmm. that person becomes every bit as important as a role model to us uh, in terms of our feelings and our, our worthiness as a human uh, as any other caring adult in our life. So uh, thank you so much for sharing that too, because a lot of times um, parents, you know, will think about uh, counseling for their children. If something has happened, if there's a separation in the family or, or any, or a loss in the family and, uh, and it can be very challenging for parents who might be listening to think, should I, should I sign up for counseling for my child? Right. Is, is that going to be, um, challenging for them because of the stigma? Is that going to be challenging for them because it's an unknown adult? Um, and I, I just think that your story um, can really help any parents listening who are considering doing that mm -hmm. because it, it it was such a great uh, experience for you. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much for that. So Nicole, we have we always love talking to you. <laughs> it is like, you are like absolutely one of our favorite guests. We, we just love talking to you. I feel now when we start the show, I tend to be very high pitched and quick talking. And I feel like by the end of our episodes with you, I'm like slow pace, <laughs> calm, calm. <laughs> my voice has gone down an octave. <laughs> Uh, and it, it's just wonderful, wonderful to uh, to talk mm -hmm. to you again. 
We love getting the postcards from you. Um, it's just so fun. And so uh, we really, really encourage just from personal experience that anybody go to My Affirmation Project um, online and sign up for those postcards. They are completely free. Uh, you put in your address. You do not have to put your name in there. You can put whatever name you want. If my daughter did it, she would put Monica Sparkles in there. <laughs> I should sign her up. <laughs> and she'd put that in there and it can be totally anonymous. You can sign your friends up, uh, which I thought was so cool. Um, and you put their address in there or your family members, you put their address in there and then they get a surprise uh, in the mail every couple of months. And it's just wonderful, wonderful uh, to see. So, uh, thank you so much for being here. We love having you here, Nicole. It's always Thanks wonderful. Me. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. I'm Nicole Webb and I need a counselor. Awesome. Great. Well, I'm Krista Hunt. And I'm Julie Johnson. And we need a counselor. And so do you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the You Need a Counselor podcast. We are so grateful that you're here. Now, we want to hear from you. Text us or give us a call at 515-650-3231. You can also find and connect with You Need a Counselor on Facebook and Instagram. If you've enjoyed today's show, please take a moment to like, review, or leave a comment, as all of these things help others to find and benefit from the podcast as well. If you're in the state of Iowa and interested in mental health counseling or behavioral health intervention services, give us a call at 800-531-4236. And if you're a provider seeking play therapy CEUs, you can find us on patreon.com slash you need a training. We'll see you for the next episode Sunday at five.